there. This is Cassia. And this is Coden. Welcome to The Oven Hawk, a podcast where we discuss Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic, as well as everything Star Wars. Today, we will examine lightsaber combat in the Old Republic, how we would like lightsabers and duels to be realized in a Coder adaptation, the Siege of Mandalore, and the Mandalorian news. This is episode 21, and this is where the fine addition to our collection begins. So to get us started off, we asked our listeners, what would you want lightsaber battles to look like in a Coder adaptation? Something like the original trilogy, prequel trilogy, sequel trilogy, or SWOTOR trailers. And Clone Wars Saved said a mix of original trilogy and prequel trilogy combat styles. Choreographed, of course, but a little more rough. I kind of agree. Because in the prequels, I think it's the best lightsaber combat, but maybe at some points it looks a little bit too much like Dance of Light, and I kind of I kind of want the the Old Republic to feel a bit more like a medieval period, where it's like you're kind of more rough and tough, you know? It's a little bit more brutal. I like the idea of a mix of both, but I I also like as we we're gonna get down some of these other comments. I, I would like to see everything. Some of the SOTOR adaptations, uh, the old trilogy, the prequel trilogy. It would make sense to have a little bit of sequel trilogy-esque fighting in there for like more, the more untrained crowd. But I like the combination of utilization of the force and lightsaber combat that is displayed a lot in like the SOTOR media. Yeah. An older Jedi would definitely fight a lot like original trilogy style combat where maybe they don't they don't quite have the strength of the youth where the more prime jedi would be a lot like prequel trilogy style combat yeah because i mean if you think about it these jedi in knights of the old republic they're not fighting against battle droids there's a whole bunch of jedi and a whole bunch of sith and, like, they probably grew up together, and they have to go to war against each other, so it's going to get ugly. Our next comment comes from StarWars.Lores, and they said, Elegant and aggressive, I'd like it to be similar to the prequels. And, spoiler alert, there is a lot of prequels love in, in these comments. And then Star Wars Doctrine says, While I do like the prequel battles, I wonder if the old Republic Jedi would be as finessed, if that makes sense. Possibly more like Rey's fighting. I don't know. And I, I can I can see where uh, they're coming from. Because I think in the sequel trilogy, it was... It didn't seem like they were trained as much as like the prequel trilogy. Or even the original trilogy. So it's kind of like the emphasis was more on the person finding out what the Force is, you know? So it's like, they don't really, I don't think 
Rey and Kylo had a lot of people to fight against to kind of become more senior duelists. So it's kind of just a little bit random, I would say. It's kind of more about like how you ignite a lightsaber rather than how you use it in a duel. I could kind of see some arguments for that, but I kind of think in the Old Republic, when you have a whole lot of people fighting against other people, you can't be as random, but maybe it wouldn't be as pretty as like maybe the prequels in the original trilogy would be. With Rey and with Kylo and with Finn's like combat styles that were evident in the sequel trilogy, I, I'm going to be using this term a lot in probably the next couple episodes as we talk about lightsaber combat, but there's, there's a lot of telegraphed swings in their combat styles. And what a telegraph is, is when there's an evident like windup and a very telling motion for the defender to know that a swing is coming and where a swing is coming. So a good example of this is like Luke Skywalker attacking Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, and he repeatedly bashes Darth Vader's lightsaber as Darth Vader is down before he changes his angle and bashes down on his arm cutting his arm off. And that's that's a great example of like kind of this this careless and like untrained wing that is not a very finesse swing, but it is a very like powerful swing. And it's typically yeah. something very much used by like an like a rookie Jedi. I think you bring up a good point. The prequels, the stunt master was Nick Gillard, and you had you had Ray Park in The Phantom Menace and I think Hayden Christensen was an athlete before he was an actor. It was like he just, he had a choice between becoming like a pro, pro tennis player or an actor and he chose acting. I think a key is a whole lot of training and sometimes like cross training kind of helps too. Or you have to have stunt people. Otherwise, sometimes if you kind of insist on like having being an actor and doing the scenes no matter how good or how hard you're trained, it's not as good as a stunt person, you know? That's what I would think, too. Galactic Artwork said, I think prequel, but a little less choreographed. And I can agree, like, maybe not as much choreography. Or rather, I think the problem some people have is, like, it's a little too smooth. Because if you watch The Adventures of Robin Hood, and you see Errol Flynn as Robin Hood, dual Rathbones uh, villain. It's it's probably one of the best sword fights I've ever seen. And I mean, it, it happened like in the 30s, you know? But it's like, you watch that and it's like, it's two people trying to harm each other, to kill each other, you know? It doesn't seem like they're like doing a rehearsed dance, you know? And as much as like, I, I love the prequels fights, I think I can see that some people think they're a little too choreographed and I would maybe want something a bit more brutal, like someone's life is in danger. One thing that comes to mind is you have one ups, well, one end of the spectrum of the prequel trilogy where you're watching, let's say the Count Dooku and Anakin fight of Revenge of the Sith. And then on another end, you're watching like a professional fencing tournament yeah. And one one you have that choreographed dance 
that is meant to look like cinematically good and then the other is just like pure efficiency and yeah and that's i think i think that's a good point is i would like to see an adaptation where a a lightsaber fight is just brutal efficient where it's over in two or three swings yeah that that would be cool and this episode is partially brought to you by Cassia missing fencing because she can't fence right now. So That's if you're a fencer, a longer time ago says maybe SWOTOR trailers, but it'd be hard to make fights like that in live action. And to be fair, that is true. It would take a lot of stunt work and CGI and just kind of like replacing heads on some actors and actresses bodies like replacing uh the stunt people's heads with the actors because i think a lot of that like as much as some people can train i think a stunt person can do do it more efficiently and more cinematically and more safely most importantly and i mean i think there's a reason the swogger trailers were animated but i do think like I mean, if you watch like uh, if you watch action movies like John Wick or Deadpool, like they pull off those action sequences in live action, and I would love to see something. Maybe, well, obviously it would have to be probably less gory and less violent because it is like you know a family movie. But I think you can you can get more creative with these kind of sequences in like a pg-13 star wars movie sw kotor.meme says "Ooh, prequels are swotor and same you know yep so uh just a nice smoothie of prequels and swotor we can call it i don't know pro tour or sequels it's sequels with an sw i don't know definitely not a lot a lot of love towards the original trilogy and I mean, I one thing I want to bring up, kind of with my Telegraph comment, is you watch like Obi Wan fighting Darth Vader, and yeah. that that fight scene is pretty pretty bland. But if you notice, Obi Wan fights at the strengths that he has, and all of his strikes, all of his parries are very like calculated and efficient, making it yeah. so he didn't die until he wanted to, and that yeah, was... I think he, I think he went into that fight knowing he was okay and he he was going to sacrifice himself Mm -hmm. because what's important isn't his life it's getting luke the new hope out of there with leia and han to live another day because luke is more important you know and i don't think he's obi-wan didn't play to win well i guess he won from his point of view but he wasn't playing to kill Vader. Like, there's more important things. And it's kind of just... They've already had their Anakin versus Obi-Wan, you know? In Revenge of the Sith, I don't think they needed to go all out. It's more about two people coming face-to-face again when the, they thought each other were dead. And then Jedi Archive says, I would say prequel, episode one, since it's the war and golden age of Jedi and Sith. SWOTOR trailer, of course, may be the best fights of the franchise, and if you look at the SWOTOR trailers, like, technically, I think they are the best fights. 
and I like what they say that it's the golden age of Jedi and Sith, you know? So they're, you're going to have, like, armies of Jedi, armies of Sith, and, like, people fighting there in that period. You have to be good on one-on-one and fighting, like, in an army, you know? You have to be efficient with the Force. You have to be efficient with your lightsaber and, like, know how the technology around you is going to be going on, you know? And I think that would be probably the coolest to to realize cinematically in my opinion the one thing that i'd I'd have to argue against the the sotor trailer fights is that there's i mean and i i don't dislike double blade lightsaber but there is it's very oversaturated with form six form seven double blade lightsaber combat and it does make a little sense because they are fighting armies at a time and so a staff or or double blade lightsaber makes sense in an army fighting perspective because of the setting it lacks like a good diversity which the prequel the prequel trilogy is better at showing of the different styles um between curved and double bladed and single bladed different ways you could do each of those but uh, again i like the implementation of using the force and a lightsaber at the same time that sotor brings to the table then star wars underscore negotiation says definitely something like the prequels or the trailers and then Gray underscore Jedi underscore 101 says, I'd want it to be like the prequels because those fights were more intense. And compared to the original trilogy, and to some extent the sequel trilogy, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. I think the original trilogy fights, they're probably more about the emotion behind them. Although Mark Hamill, he, he did do a lot of a lot of work. I just think the emphasis in those movies wasn't quite on the lightsaber fights and making them as intricate as possible. It was just kind of to, I mean, you, you kind of have Luke who's kind of a newbie and he's fighting like a paralyzed man. Well, not a paralyzed man, but kind of like a handicapped man, you know, like, but at the same time, Darth Vader just plays with him the entire time. Yeah. And like, Vader is more interested in keeping him alive, not to kill him. So I'd say that the in episode five, episode five, like Vader, he doesn't want Luke to die. He's just trying to see how powerful he is. I think the the original trilogy lightsaber fights, all all three of them, are more of a psychological battle than an actual like strength battle. Where I think in Luke's mindset, he's trying to out strength his opponent, but in Darth Vader's perspective, he's always just trying to just psychologically break down the opponent because in episode five uh luke i think he thinks he is doing more damage and is more skilled than he actually is kind of how we mentioned in like the hero's journey like there's a point where you kind of have the swagger of thinking you're an adult but he's not quite at that point in episode five but in episode six he does get to that point and then plex armory says that he wants one person to take a swing and everyone waits around for a minute as the other person takes their turn. And I think that must be some true KOTOR. True KOTOR right there. True KOTOR. You know, just do it like how it is in in the game. Throw throw some dice and you might miss. Yeah. Thank you everyone for contributing your comments. Here we're going to talk more about like lightsaber visuals and duels 
in the Star Wars. I, I don't remember who said this, but they said in Battlefront 2, the lightsaber appearances kind of mimic what they look like in the different trilogies. So in the original trilogy, the color, it's kind of pale and like the, the end of the lightsaber, it's kind of a rounded edge. And then in the prequel trilogy, it's a bright blade, bright colors, and it has kind of a pointed edge. And then in the sequel trilogy, you kind of have that pale color and sharp edge that the prequel trilogy had. Coden, what would you want uh, KOTOR lightsabers to look like? I actually would like to see kind of a lore update and expansion on this. And because to me, I think it would make a lot of sense if they talked about the quality of the crystal and the type of emitter that the lightsaber has and have that determine the outcome of what the blade yeah. is and so maybe how weathered a lightsaber is or how the care of construction that the lightsaber was undertaken would determine just the the outcome of what is projected and i think that would be cool yeah just to have the variety i kind of think in knights of the old republic like some people take vibro swords against lightsabers and i think you wouldn't really have to get into the dialogue as much if you can kind of show visually, like maybe these lightsabers, maybe the color part kind of looks more like Rebels. So it's like kind of like a thinner blade or maybe the color doesn't go all the way over, you know, like all the way around. Because if you can show that visually, it saves you time and like audiences are smarter, I think, than a lot of people give them credit for. And then it could maybe make him look a little bit different. And when it comes to hilts, I would actually say like SWOTOR hilts you see in the trailers, like a lot more diversity. Like if you look at Satil Shan's, if you look at her blade, it's very intricate and like kind of has like some decorations on it. I am a sword person. If I go to a museum, I look at all the sword. And if you go back to the Renaissance and the middle ages especially people went all out on their swords and like you'd see all this intricate design work like they would have different like kind of gold different silver kind of like designs on their swords and uh, you kind of see that a bit with the swotor hilts i would kind of want to see like it's not just a tool to the kotor jedi and sith like they take some effort and make it like their own and make it beautiful you know and not that it has to be beautiful but it's just kind of more than ye old you know luke skywalker's original blue lightsaber that they made out of a camera you know like i want to see visually like it's a time of war so you see different kind of hilts different designs and uh some intricacy in that that would make me happy yeah different hilts have different functions to them kit has a hilt that's waterproof so he could actually ignite his lightsaber underwater 
and that's that's like a functional design choice and then a lot of jedi hilts are designed after their master's hilt as a sign of a a look up to respect that's very evident with luke's new lightsaber uh, which is the uh, the design of very similar to obi-wan's lightsaber and part of that is the the lightsaber parts available were in the desk drawer of obi-wan but it's also a telling piece of obi-wan's lightsaber his original lightsaber had a lot of very similar design choices to Qui-Gon's lightsaber. What's kind of a little interesting fact is that Anakin's lightsaber, because he was a little bit defiant, he he aspired to be the best Jedi, his lightsaber is very similar to Yoda's lightsaber instead of Obi-Wan's. Anakin's lightsaber, it's kind of more about, like, kind of strength. It's kind of awkward to hold, but, I mean, I grew up with the attack of the clones anakin saber so like for me it's natural but it it is interesting to see visually like anakin's lightsaber if you look at it in attack of the clones it's silver and then in revenge of the sith it kind of has more of that shape of the original trilogy saber and then you look at his hilt as darth vader it's like kind of the same as his anakin lightsaber but darker so I mean, it's not even really mentioned in the movies, but if you look at it visually, it, it tells a story. And I'm like, wow, that's so, really cool detail, you know? Yeah, a little bit larger to fit better in his prosthetic hands. So looking at the duels in combat in the original trilogy, there's only three duels. And it's kind of just basic proficiency, you know? In A New Hope, you have Darth Vader versus Obi-Wan, and we kind of mentioned it. It's kind of just two old people... And Obi-Wan's not playing to win. He's looking to sacrifice himself at a key moment. You know, like he's not trying to go gangsta, you know, on Darth Vader. And Darth Vader just kind of sees the opportunity and just kills him. You know, like Obi-Wan didn't put up a fight, really. And then we, we also kind of mentioned the Empire Strikes Back fight with Darth Vader and Luke. And like, it's kind of Luke, like his young, impetuous stage. He's kind of going all out, trying to be like, I'm so strong, I'm taking on Darth Vader. And Darth Vader's just more toying and testing with him. So, but I think out of the original trilogy, it's probably my favorite fight. Uh, even though, like, the Return of the Jedi, Luke versus Darth Vader fight, it's probably more the emotional, you know, climax fight. I think there's more of a psychological battle with Empire Strikes Back that makes that fight a little bit more telling than the, the Return of the Jedi battle. I think the Return of the Jedi battle, I watched that battle actually just recently, just to kind of compare the two. Because it has less of that psychological weight to it, I mean, they have the part where where Darth Vader tells Luke that maybe if he, Luke isn't going to join, they'll just get Leia to join the dark side instead. And that's kind of where the fight gets more accelerated but it's it's basically just angry luke you know throwing his lightsaber like a baseball bat at vader until vader finally gets tired and luke cuts his arm off and yeah and so i think just overall the quality of lightsaber battle is better in empire strikes back what i do like about the return of the jedi fight is that the music gets intense because it's it's kind of like John Williams saying, like, this battle between Luke and Vader, it's important. It's almost like at the in the Star Wars universe, uh, like, at the level of, like, a religious rite. So it's kind of like you have a whole choir going 
and like you don't know if it's gonna go light or dark and you're like is is Luke embracing his anger but then he looks at his hand and he's like am I becoming like Darth Vader and then he says you failed your highness I'm a Jedi like my father before me and that's probably my favorite quote in Return of the Jedi maybe all of, like one of my top quotes in all of Star Wars so prequel trilogy I mean we haven't talked about it at all today this is where you have knights in their peak and they're kind of uncontested because there's only like you know a couple sith you know to to really mess with them at first so it's like you have healthy jedi who have like trained with other jedi all their lives but they're not really fighting to like for their lives against like dark jedi or sith so it's not as as brutal i would say they're skilled technically, and then maybe it, it's a little bit more, you know, kind of showy, you know? But I would say the standout in The Phantom Menace, what could possibly be the standout there? Definitely when they rescue all the politicians from those battle droids. No, just kidding. It's uh, the <laughs> Duel of the Fates with uh, Darth Maul and Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon. Yeah. There's a lot of people who, like, it's between, like, Duel of the Fates and Anakin versus Obi-Wan. And Duel of the Fates, like, it kind of makes a lot of people appreciate The Phantom Menace more than they probably would otherwise. But it's just at a whole nother level. Like, they had to slow down the actors because they were going too fast to really be seen. And it's just, you have Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Darth Maul. Technically a very good fight. And it's just an intense one. And... It's just fun to see, like, the different styles where Obi-Wan is kind of mimicking Qui-Gon's kind of a little bit more acrobatic form. And Darth Maul has his double-bladed saber stuff, the first that we've seen, like, in a live-action Star Wars movie. And he's kind of more the brutal, like, Form 7. This lightsaber fight is, like, heavily choreographed and it's yeah I, I think of the prequel films i think this one stands out as like the most obviously choreographed there's one little minor detail that i really like about this fight if you notice that there's there's a lot of points where qui-gon cuts obi-wan's strike off a lot to strike in himself and he's putting himself in harm's way to protect obi-wan in a lot of the strikes that take place yeah. in that fight which is kind of a cool little neat detail of like qui-gon's yeah uh, relationship with Obi-Wan. And it's not overt. That's what I like about movies is when they tell a story visually and it's like it's kind of up to you to to notice those details. And then Attack of the Clones, I would say the standout fight there is Dooku versus Yoda. Yoda's CGI, but it's just cool to just kind of see a different side to Yoda because it's like yes, he's very talented in the Force, but he knows he knows a thing or two about lightsaber dueling. Yeah, you see you see a lot of new stuff in this fight. You see Anakin wielding two lightsabers, and then yeah. and then you see the uh, the curved hilt, more fencing style of Count Dooku in this yeah. film. Which uh, I I love that style. Like if I were in Star Wars, I'd be like, I want the Count Dooku lightsaber, but I want it in yellow. Okay, <laughs> make that happen. Well, I think I would have to make it myself, but. I kind of think it was cool to see Anakin dual wield, uh, but I think like the Anakin and Obi-Wan versus Dooku, 
I think part of it was intentional. It's like Anakin and Obi-Wan aren't in sync right there. So it's kind of a mess of a fight when they take on Dooku. But then when you go to Revenge of the Sith, you see Anakin and Obi-Wan after the Clone Wars, they've kind of become brothers. And they're just much more in sync. And so when they take on Dooku, like, it's a it's a lot cleaner. So what is your favorite fight in Revenge of the Sith? So I really like the Anakin versus Dooku fight. And then the Anakin-Obi-Wan fight is also extremely technical and very well done. But I'd say that those two fights are pretty close, I think, it, as far as quality and performance. Where I don't really care too much about the Obi-Wan versus Grievous fight. I think I think that fight is very simple. And I mean it's a it's a well-trained Jedi against a machine that has four lightsabers. And yeah. he says he's well trained by Kantuku, but I mean he's not much of an opponent. Once Obi-Wan blocks like General Grievous's main strike, the fight is over. I think my favorite is definitely the Anakin versus Obi-Wan because the emotion is there and the skill is there. And I think when it came out, and maybe it still is, it was the, the longest sword fight or I guess laser sword fight like ever in a movie. And it's not just showy special effects. Like there's like a story behind it. Like, and Anakin has the, the edge on the fight for most of the time and Obi-Wan is being very defensive. So I think if Anakin wouldn't have been as cocky as he kind of became, he would have won. Uh, but it's just a glory to behold that fight. But prequel trilogy, it's okay, you know, when it comes to lightsaber fight. It's, it's just okay. So sequel trilogy, there are not as many duels, kind of like the original trilogy. I think it's less about the prowess with the lightsaber but I think the best fight technically in the sequel trilogy is probably Kylo Ren versus Rey in The Rise of Skywalker. I'm just going to no comment. I watched this video that like ruined all of the fights. Just a technical yeah. breakdown. I'm like, wow, these are, I can't watch these anymore. I think part of it is like, Disney kind of heard some of the complaints of the prequel trilogy. Like, some people would be like, there's too many politics. The the romance was too much. And then, like, they'd be like, the, the duels were too rehearsed. I will say this about the sequel trilogy. I think Rey's combat style made sense for her proficiency of a lightsaber. I, yeah. I think Kylo Ren's was a lot left to be desired. There's a lot of yeah. combat stance choices where instead of holding a defensive guard, he's got his lightsaber just hanging down at his side, completely yeah. useless when it needs to be at a defensive ready. If I had to pick one sequel trilogy fight that I like the most is probably the little, the really quick fight between Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren, where she uh, she hands the lightsaber to him in the force, and then he's able to finish all those guys off with the lightsaber, which it's not technically a lightsaber fight, but I think that's the best use of a lightsaber in the sequel trilogy. And then The Force Awakens. I didn't really love the fight between Rey and Kylo. Um, I think my favorite lightsaber fight in that was actually Finn versus Traitor, you know, the stormtrooper. I'm sure he has a name, but everyone calls him Traitor. Mm -hmm. I think I think Finn 
could have pulled off a little bit more of a natural sword proficiency. Yeah. And uh, so I, I do think, and and he's a big Star Wars fan. He probably played a lot with lightsabers growing up. It, it was a really missed opportunity not to make Finn, I think, a Jedi, like overtly. Yeah, I think he I seemed think. more comfortable using the lightsaber than Rey was. But yeah, we've we've discussed uh, the different trilogies, and uh, now we can we can dive into the SWOTOR trailers. Uh, but first, let's take a brief break. So I'm going in order of the chronology of when these trailers take place. Uh, so the first one is Return. So the players in this trailer are, it's actually two teams of Masters and Apprentices. And it's funny because the good guy team, you have Satil Shan and her master, Kao Sendarok who's also the Jedi Order's battle master. He's clad in armor. He's a Zabrak. It's awesome. So Satil, she has a double-bladed lightsaber. Her master has a single. And then uh, the, the bad guys, you have Lord Vindican and Malgus. And Lord Vindican has a double-bladed lightsaber and Malgus has a single. So it's, you know, evenly matched, you know? Just when they start fighting, you have Duel of the Fates playing and like, how do you get rid of John Williams? Like, that's going to be hard, but... Well, that's that's kind of the, the, the neat thing about the the Old Republic agreement is that they have access to all the LucasArts music. And so... Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, being able to use those assets for the the games, like, that's what makes all the LucasArts games, like, as good as they are is because they're able to use the great music. That soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm kind of... I think in a future episode, we'll talk about, like, should the John Williams themes, like, Binary Sunset, the Force theme, Duel of the Fates, the Imperial March be used in uh, Knights of the Old Republic adaptation, or if they should go all new. But anyways, so Duel of the Fates is playing while they're dueling, and it's perfect. And so Malgus is the better duelist. Because right then, Satil and Malgus are facing up against each other. Malgus is a superior duelist. He knees her in the stomach. And, like, her lightsaber, like, she doesn't have access to it. My favorite usage of a lightsaber in all of Star Wars is probably when her master, Kao, sends his lightsaber to deflect Malgus's blow. So then she's able to recover and kick Malgus away. And then after that happens, like, her master, Qui-Gon, is protecting Obi-Wan in Duel of the Fates. And here, Ko is protecting her, like, in a move. And then he's like, this is not your fight. I need you to live and survive. And I guess also Obi-Wan uh, spared Luke on the Death Star. So it's a very, you don't want to be a master if you want to live. Because you're going to die. So her master sends her away. And then the music transitions to Anakin's dark deeds before she leaves she's like master have my lightsaber too and 
because he's the battle master, he's able to fight the two Sith. And Ko incapacitates Vindican, but Malgus, he just advances and doesn't let up. And he's a very good lightsaber duelist, and you see that in many of the trailers. He gives no ground and doesn't let up, and Ko fights nobly, Ko fights honorably, and Ko died. So at the end of this trailer, it's it's funny because Amalgus just gets rid of his master. He's like, welcome home, and kills him. Because I think he wanted to be the master. So it's like, the masters die and the apprentices survive. So I thought that was kind of cool detail. Uh, and then Hope is the next trailer. So in Hope, you have uh, Republic soldiers fighting Darth Malgus and his army on Alderaan. And... You see one soldier, Jace Malcolm, about to die, but then Satil leaps into the fray and saves uh, the Republic soldier. And what I like is, like, she straight up kicks a Sith in the face and plows her way forward through enemies, kind of going over, above, just, like, getting them out of the way, incapacitating them to Darth Malgus. So this is their rematch after Return. And I would say, like, during this fight, like, Darth Malgus definitely has the edge, like, with lightsaber combat, but they're more evenly matched. You can kind of tell Satil has learned more. And I think this is supposed to be 14 years after that first trailer. So Satil stepped up her game, and she, I think she definitely has more of the edge when it comes to, like, using the Force and acrobatics. So even when Malgus cuts her lightsaber in half, and goes in for the kill, like, above her heart. Like, she holds the lightsaber back with force. That is pretty incredible. It's probably the, and then, the like, the oh, neater, like, scenes of the SOTOR-like battles just bringing that concept where you can use the force in such a way that you can push the lightsaber back into itself. That's, like, one of the most iconic, like, SOTOR moments of the, their cutscenes. Yeah. I mean, you see a little bit of this in Episode Nine when Rey and Kylo are fighting uh, on the wreckage of the Death Star, like, kind of, like, holding back the blades with the Force. But, yeah, so Jace Malcolm comes back with a grenade and kind of scars Malgus's face, and then Satil forces him into a mountain, and the boulders just rain around him, and it ends up being a victory for them. So it, it kind of shows, like, even if, like, you can't beat someone in a duel like in star wars you have the force too and also technology so you just have to live to fight another day and then deceived i think this was the first trailer that came out but i didn't realize this wasn't the first chronologically until i did some more research but in deceived you have sith coming into the jedi temple and so you have an army of jedi versus an army of sith all the melee going on around them. People are punching, kicking, fisticuffs, it's all there. Uh, so Darth Malgus, he's kind of what all these trailers have in common. He faces off against Ven Zalo. What I love about this fight is that Ven dodges with like his whole body. Like even one instance where Malgus like chucks his lightsaber at the at him with the force. Like he he leaps up and he dodges it, not just, like, blocks it with his lightsaber, but he, he leaps up, and it's pretty impressive. They they each had good throws and leaps, were all involved, but then dies, and it's actually kind of sad, like, 
I kind of came to really like that character, even though I only have experienced that character in that trailer. It just stayed with me. Because I remember taking a class, like creative writing class in high school. This trailer had come out and I was almost thinking of like, showing like how creative it was in that class because I thought it was just so well done. But what I love about these trailers is like they balance physicality and the technicality of swordplay with the force and technology in the fights. Like you have your blasters and grenades and everything. And these trailers are like kind of the first of their kind for a Star Wars video game. You saw a little bit of it for the Force Unleashed two these trailers they were directed by dave wilson and developed by blur studio for bioware and lucasart we're going to take a brief break and we'll be back So after we've kind of examined lightsaber combat in all of the trilogies in the SWOTOR trailers and like what our viewers want, this is going to be us kind of taking all of that and saying what we would want it to look like, what we would want lightsaber combat to look like in a potential KOTOR adaptation. And I just remember this quote from Kreia in Knights of the Old Republic 2. And she says, if you were to face an ancient Sith Lord in combat, you would learn that we are as children playing with toys compared to the prowess of the old masters. Because, I mean, nowadays, like, people, we don't really fence anymore, you know? Even if we were trained in combat and fencing in HEMA or any of the other martial arts, I think if you were to go back a few centuries and duel someone, you would probably lose because your life doesn't depend upon, like, for the most part, like, our lives don't depend on our skill with a blade, you know? And that's just kind of what I think of is, like, Knights of the Old Republic is their me medieval period. And with the Knights of the Old Republic era, with the Old Republic, the rule of two doesn't exist yet. You have a whole lot of Jedi and a whole lot of Sith. It's not like they're fighting against battle droids or like General Grievous in the Clone Wars. And you're not fighting against the occasional Sith or Dark Jedi. But these Jedi, when they're fighting Sith, it might be someone that they used to train with as Jedi and the, the Sith had fallen to the dark side. So you kind of have that interesting layer of like you're not just, you're not only fighting like another thinking human. But you're fighting an army of them, and they might have been people you grew up with, you know? I like the different type of combat that we would see in the Old Republic, where we, we have seen Jedi versus Sith as, like, small capacities. We've seen Jedi against droids and, and armies against droids. So this type of adaptation would be neat to see an army of Jedi versus an army of Sith. It just kind of brings it more of like a Lord of the Rings or like Game of Thrones battle style to the story, which would be yeah. a kind of a cool element, cool adaptation. 
Yeah, it would be a cool spectacle, like, seeing that cinematically. If you do it right, it could look like a Renaissance painting in space, and it would be amazing. Because as, as I've kind of said, like, for me, I'm a big fencer, big sword person. When this is over, one of my goals is actually to forge a sword. So I kind of see Knights of the Old Republic, the Old Republic, this era, it's the medieval period of Star Wars. I would see it being much more brutal. The martial intensity would have to be upped. And it would just be very fun to see. That's what I would hope for, you know. So let's take a break and we can talk about Clone Wars and The Mandalorian. Uh, so Siege of Mandalore, what did you think of the Ahsoka versus Maul fight? I thought it was really cool. Darth Maul, he's expecting Obi-Wan to show up with Anakin, and he's expecting to probably fight both of them. But what he finds instead is they've sent Ahsoka Tano, and so he kind of sees the opportunity to maybe to like recruit an apprentice or to recruit somebody to basically go out and do his work for him. And, and he tries to take it, but... Ahsoka kind of like sees through what he's saying and decides to to confront him and fight him and so he has to yeah. he has to defend himself but also fight back go for the kill instead yeah. of go for the capture. I don't know what it is about like dark siders but like you have Vader, you have Kylo and Maul reaching out to Luke, Rey and Ahsoka saying join me, you know, and we can end this. It would just be cool to see someone join. And I mean, Ahsoka was about to join, but then she's like, what do you want with Anakin? And he's like, uh, to kill him, you know, because he's going to be the next, you know, Sith. And she's like, what? That's totally not going to happen. And <laughs> little does I she mean, know. It does. Little does she know. It makes sense for them to fight, you know. It is kind of an interesting fight because she's not, bound to the Jedi ways anymore so she can kind of be more open I think that was there was more emotion going to into that fight than I thought there was going to be there's just this fight through the mocap and the superior animation just it's probably the best in all of Clone Wars and one of the best duels in all of Star Wars I would say and it was cool to see them fighting on the rafters, especially up above the capital of Mandalore. So much more emotional than I thought. Now I want to know what happens to Darth Maul because he was captured and shipped off by by Rex and his and his battalion with him. And now I'm like, well, yeah. now I want to know how he escapes. I think things are going to go awry with Order 66. If Order 66 didn't happen... Maul would have been taken into justice, but I think he's going to escape during it. But I don't know if clones see Maul as a Jedi who needs to be exterminated, or if it's just Jedi. But even though technically Ahsoka's not really a Jedi, I think she's still going to be attacked by clones. But it'll be interesting to see what happens. Ahsoka and Rex 
came about in the Clone Wars. So I think in the next episode, we're going to see Order 66 happen and then kind of the fallout from that. And then you have to tie a nice bow on the series and maybe end with a bit of hope. So I have no idea what's going to happen. And I like that. It'll be interesting to see how this ride concludes. The final episode of Clone Wars is going to happen on May the 4th. That is earlier, which I like because it makes May the 4th special this year. Because uh, I, I don't think there's going to be as much happening, you know. But what I hope is like, May the 4th isn't the episode where all the Jedi die. Because I don't want to see all my favorite Jedi die on Star Wars Day. That would be a little bit of a bummer. I mean, it's going to be a bummer no matter what. But that's what I'm hoping for. Alright, this has been Cassia. And this has been Coden. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. And you can email us your comments and questions at ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com, as well as you can follow the Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash codenbon. Streaming Thursday evenings anywhere from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, usually stream for about an hour or two. One other item we wanted to add in here is a quick announcement is that we are going to be closing down SoundCloud as a distributor. So everyone that has been using SoundCloud to listen in, we invite you to search for the Evan Hawk on any of the other major streaming platforms. Again, that's mainly iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or etc. This last day for SoundCloud will be June 15th. So if you notice, we stopped uploading. Now you know. With the update to moving our podcast to Spotify and various other streaming platforms, we are updating our iTunes link especially. And so for all of our iTunes viewers, we want to make sure that we, uh, we get you guys moved over to the new link because we'll no longer be refreshing episodes to the old iTunes link. And we'll have the new link posted with, a, with, an up, with our Instagram post. And it's also um, available immediately on Twitter. So if, uh, if you want to go to that Twitter post, that's just at uh, Code and Bond for Twitter. We'll also have the link available on Instagram to refresh your follow on iTunes. And our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shurman. He can be found at alistairsounds.wixsite.com forward slash alistairsounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker, and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. This has been episode 21 of The Ebon Hawk. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.